We need leaders to start taking those stands so that we can follow them. And we need the base of grassroots supporters to build around those folks and to show that there is energy and support politically for what these people are saying. Welcome to What's Next, your next favorite political podcast, where your hosts, Emily Matthews and Daniel Hare, bring you great guests each week to have conversations about how to restore the conservative movement. And now, in the words of President Bartlett, What's Next? Keith Mayo joins us right now. He's an attorney and the founder of Principles First and a founding signator to a call for American renewal. We are so excited to have him with us today. Heath, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Emily, I'm excited to be here and, and chat with you guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Absolutely. Uh, why don't we just uh, start by letting our uh, audience hear a little bit about your story and uh, a little bit about your bio and who you are and where you come from and, and how you got plugged into uh, this, uh, I'll just kind of broadly call it a conservative reformation project that we're all <laughs> working on here. Sure. No, sure. Thanks. Um, you know, I, I think for me, you know, growing up, I was in East Texas. Uh, it's where I grew up um, and was in a conservative family and so sort of came up in conservative politics, going to church every Sunday, sort of what you would expect of sort of just East Texas conservative Christian household. Um, and then went to college. And, you know, I think the the first moment that I really interacted with or, or saw politics, honestly, was, um, you know, a little bit 9-11. I mean, I think that happened when I was in, in sixth grade. And when, I mean, George, when that happened, it was just like, whoa. I mean, that was the first time that I'd seen like world events really start to impact my life. I mean, that was crazy to see. But when George Bush sort of stood on that rubble with that bullhorn, yeah, I, that was a moment for me that was like, wow, you know, leadership really matters in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and what people say, our political leaders, what they say, it matters. And it has the power to really shape you know, human opinion and human morale um, of our country. And so that was really powerful. And that was, I started following it from there. And, you know, more recently, you know, with Principles First, you've sort of seen the flip side of that, that the the ability of leaders to really run run human energies in a, in a sort of negative direction. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's what we've seen in the last four years. And that's really, you know, I I was, I was sort of, a, you could probably describe me as a Reagan conservative. I, I really came up in, you know, the early 2000s or late 90s where people were really grappling. The Tea Party was out there. How do we limit government spending? How do we limit the size and scope of government? So that's how I thought about politics. I thought that the Republican Party stood for sort of principles uh, of uh, about those things. And I just saw it go off the go off the tracks, really, uh, and and it, it wasn't about those things, and and so that's how I became really involved. And uh, you know, principles first really started as a reaction to um, just that dissension in the party, the, this descending craziness that you see in things like CPAC. I think that was actually the first impetus for principles mm-hmm. first. Um, but that's really the story. Was uh, you know as as the Republican Party really got crazier and crazier, I started to engage more and more because I thought, you know, this just can't be because I'm, I'm really not a Democrat. Uh, you know, people will talk about whether they go and, you know, pushing more, pushing people more towards the Democratic Party. I just I disagree with with a lot of things that the Democratic Party says and, and, and that what they promote. 
And so I just, I really feel homeless right now. And so all of my energy and sort of my start in, in, in the, the reform space or the political space has been about creating community and creating a space to be active for people who do feel homeless, I think, right now, particularly people who might be right of center. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been really great. I certainly heard of Principles First when you guys did the CPOC, the, you know, giving the alternative to CPOC. And it was right after I left DC and moved to Atlanta. Um, and it was great to find other groups, you know, that are continuing to to hold that banner and to, to just at least fill the void. Because I think that when no one is speaking into that space, people are more tempted to go to the, you know, to become Democrats, which right. again, we, those aren't, you know, I haven't changed. Um, you haven't changed, Daniel hasn't changed. And, um, you know, it, you want to be able to have uh, a positive voice in that. And I think that's why I'm with you on the Reagan, um, being a Reagan Republican, because having that voice of respect um, and kindness and, and getting the message, delivering the message in a kind way is so important for the movement in general. Um, so, of course, you know, your assessment of where we are, I think I kind of understand it. Do you want to kind of dig into that a little bit more? And then, um, you know, where it looks like we're headed? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually more hopeful than I have been uh, in the last two or, two or three years. I mean, okay. it's been... Hey. It's yeah. been sort of, exactly. Yeah. I, I, so not been, like Tim Miller. We had him right. on. I, he, goes, not, he was like, I'm the most cynical person you're we're gonna you're ever gonna have on this podcast because we're done. <laughs> yeah, no, I and and Tim makes great points for yeah. why maybe I shouldn't be so hopeful. Um and I should say when I say hope, I, I don't know that I necessarily mean hope that the Republican Party will snap out of its, you know, crazy zombie state. I, cause I, I think that's still a, a little bit far down the road, mm -hmm. but hope in just the sense that you do see elected leaders starting to stake out in their own direction. And that's what I was frustrated with is that there was just nobody that was standing up and saying anything, uh, that was just so patently obvious to everyone who was watching that, that you couldn't have even some of just a member of Congress say something that that, that was frustrating to me. But in the last three, six months, you're starting to see people get more vocal uh, that are current elected officials. You know, folks in Georgia, Jeff Duncan, Raffensperger, Gabe Sperling, like those guys standing up during the heat of a contested election in Georgia or, or a pretty clearly decided election in Georgia that just happened to also be contested for it doesn't appear to be any valid reasons that they stood up and said, no, this is a validly held election. I'm not going to just spout all of this stuff because someone else is spouting it. That was principle, right? That took courage. They they stood on facts and stood on truth and did something that was very principled. And that was energizing for me. And, you know, since then, you've seen other people step up and also be courageous. Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney, uh, you know, John Katko, Gonzalez, all these people in the house, Herrera Butler and Herrera Butler from Washington standing up. And taking tough stands and starting to lead in a new direction, because I think that's what we need. We need leaders to start taking those stands so that we can follow them. And we need the, the, the base of grassroots supporters to build around those folks and to show that there is energy and support politically for for what these people are saying. Uh, so that's where I think we are now. I think I think that we're in this stage of Trump is out of the scene you know, there's this new moment in our politics. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? And everyone else who have, has, you know, followed Trumpism and staked their claim to that 
is sort of waiting in the wings, waiting for him to shuffle off the stage because they're trapped. They can't do anything until he clears the stage. So it's this opportunity for everyone else to start to define a new way, a new path, uh, a new movement that isn't the MAGA movement uh, <laughs> to to take to take our politics in a better direction. I, so I think it's a it's a moment of great opportunity, and I and I say that's why I'm hopeful is because you know we can we really have an opportunity to define a completely new thing in our politics uh, if if we come together the right way. So yeah, yeah. love that. Hey, do you feel like those folks that you just rattled off, uh, who I agree, I mean, have shown a lot of courage and have really put their political lives on the line in uh, some of the actions they've taken and the words they've said, do you feel like there's going to be enough uh, support for those folks to hang on in the midst of, I'm sure, what will be a flurry of primary challenges and efforts to, you know, we're seeing them in the state level sort of defang some of these folks and take power away from those people. Like, where do you kind of, you know, because if they all get knocked out, then it was sort of a, a great thing to see, but then they're now gone and replaced presumably by more, you know, a Trumpism type of folks. So kind of how, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a very good at reading the political tea leaves. I mean, in mm-hmm. terms of how the politics will play out, all I know is that these guys are saying what I agree with, um, yeah. and they're saying they're saying the right thing, they're saying the true thing, uh, and if that means they get beaten their primaries, they get beaten their primaries. I don't, I, you know, my my view and my focus right now is if you're saying the right thing. Let's rally around you. Yeah. Let's show people that they're, that they're, cause right now, you know, if you're someone who agrees with Adam Kinzinger or Liz Cheney, you, you, you generally think, Hey, Trumpism has run its course. It probably wasn't a great idea for the Republican party. It's probably time that we do something different mm-hmm. or we're going to have a whole generation of democratic, you know, rule in, in all the chambers of our government. Yeah. If, if that's what you think. You need to be able to look somewhere other than, uh, you know, a CNN interview or an MSNBC green room to see that there's a movement there for you to join, right? Like you need to see yeah. energy. Like they, Trump, you know, for all of his craziness and Turning Point USA and all these people that pay to have college students shipped to Florida so they can take a picture of everybody cheering for Kimberly <laughs> Guilfoyle, uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, this is, that's all like, that's the whole Charlie Kirk is not some swaying intellectual, right? I mean, he was funded by Foster Freese. You know, Foster Freese gave him like a $500,000 check right. and he paid for everybody's flight to come down and let's take a picture of everybody gathered in this room so it looks like we have a lot of energy and and it works. You know that work. You you can you can ask for turf movement like that. Uh and so that's that's what I mean and unfortunately that's just what we need to do right like that's what our movement needs to start doing we need to show that there is grassroots support that there is this silent maybe it's not a majority right now but right. you know Donald Trump didn't have a majority a political majority when he came down that escalator yeah but he did have a room full of people that he paid to be there and so it looked like there were people that were cheering for this you know xenophobic rhetoric and so it gave people cover Maybe I maybe I'll be in that room and clap for that too, right? And so that's that may be a cynical view of politics, but it's a hopeful view that says, you know, that's the game we got to play. We have the people; we can play that game too, right? And we can create a movement that is energetic because there is a lot of energy. People don't really see it, but I see it. I mean, I yeah. we got people that do planning sessions for this principles first thing, and it's five months away. We're having this summit, like. 
I mean, there's a, there's a ton of energy that it's just you don't see it if it's just one person doing an interview on CNN. Right. You don't you don't see it, um, and so I, that's that's where I'm passionate right now is trying to show that energy. I think that's the big next step that we need as as a movement is to get everyone together and show that there actually is a lot of grassroots groundswell for this type of change. And if it loses a primary, which it may, it, we might have to lose some primaries uh, and, and lose elections before this gets better. It might get worse before it gets better. Sure. But I think all we can do is build the movement, right? Build the movement from the ground up and it'll grow. And, and one day we, we, we will win primaries. So, and- yeah, no, absolutely. So talk about principles first, uh, not assuming uh, people listening, you know, necessarily have uh, heard about it or know what it is. Uh, so maybe start from kind of ground zero on, on how it came about, what it is, um, what are its goals, objectives? Let's let's hear a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So principles first, I, I guess, is about two or three years old now. It's crazy how time time flies. <laughs> I mean, it, but it is it's, you know, it's a completely grassroots organization, volunteer organization. No one, we don't have a paid staff or anything like that. And it completely grew out of, um, you know, I guess two years ago around CPAC, I just was not going to go to CPAC again. I was like, I'm done with this Milo Yanapoulos, or I don't even know what the guy's <laughs> name is. The latest, you know, racist digger, um, was going to be speaking there. It was just a circus. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Let's, let's meet up somewhere else. And a lot of people that resonated with a lot of people and, yeah. and that went viral and people started signing up. And so we had these meetups, you know, on like a week's notice, we had meetups around the country. I mean, thousands of people signed up and we, we had these gatherings and there was a lot of energy to keep that going. And so we kept doing these meetups. Uh, we just kept meeting up and kept, you know, creating these grassroots spaces around the country for people to kind of get together and, you know, quite frankly, it started out as a little bit of just grievance session, right? Yeah. Airing grievances about like, how can this be happening? Right. But then it got to substantive discussions around principles and what is it that we actually believe the party has gone in this personality cult direction? What does conservatism mean in the 21st century? What are the principles that should guide a party? And so that's what we did. We wrote a declaration of principles probably eight or nine months after that first kind of lightning bolt of energy. And then since then, you know, we've planned the summit. And I think now all of our energy is really focused on this, this summit, uh, this, this October, which we're really focused as a group on the grassroots piece of the movement. I mean, I think there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle out there doing a lot of different things that are helpful. And I think we're really focused on organizing people in each state to do things in their local communities and to come together uh, from from the bottom up, so that's where I would that, that that's kind of the general arc. Yeah. But there's we we kind of do a lot. We 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 do open letters when there's something out there that really gets you know we think a principled stand is appropriate. Well, well, we I think we you know we did a rally for Liz and an open letter in support of Liz Cheney when she took her stand and. You know, when Donald Trump, I think, was going to reappropriate something like $500 million from the military to build the wall, we told a, we wrote a letter on that saying that's just not the way separation of powers works. The Congress has the, the power of the purse. So we've done a lot of things like that that just sort of tried to underscore like, guys, this isn't principle. This is not what we should be supporting. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the party didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> of course, no, no one listened. <laughs> right. 
Right. No, but it's good. I mean, I think I tend to have the perspective and we're going to get into this a little bit later as well. But I, I think that building the movement from the uh, from the grassroots level up is kind of the way we're going to have to do it. I, I agree that there kind of has to be the groundswell. Um, I think Liz Cheney also has alluded to that, that it's not going to be uh, one war that's just one overnight, but it's going to be a lot of different battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what you're doing is really important in that space. Um, you're also a founding signatory on uh, a call for American renewal, um, which we talked with Reed Howard about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that group and what it's hoping to achieve? I, I honestly, so I, other than being a signatory, I can't speak really to the, the, the plans of the group. I know that the, the sign, the, 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 the theory and the thesis of action there is to bring together a bunch of leading conservative and sort of center of the road, you know, leaders, former leaders in the party and intellectuals to say, you know, these, this is what we believe in. This is a new way. I think it's a very much a new way oriented uh, movement saying, you know, maybe we need to do a new party. Maybe we need to run inside the Republican Party. We don't know, but we are ready to take sort of bold and radical action in that respect if we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I see it currently at least uh, more of a top down effort um, mm-hmm. of those leaders that you see. On CNN, although the people that you typically see writing the op-eds that have been taking principled stands coming together and saying, we're united on this. This is what we believe, which is helpful. Um, and putting together a set of principles that could potentially be the, the foundation of a new party if the Republican Party continues to kind of go off the cliff. Um, so that's, that's what I see. I see it as I see that whole thing that they're doing as, you know, the seeds of a new party if it needs to become that. Um, and certainly the leaders that they have pulled together our our influential leaders in their own respects. So that's absolutely it's yeah. good to it's good to see that. Um I, I know they're doing a town hall on I think June twenty fourth, uh which will be exciting to see, you know, hopefully hopefully a lot of people come together for that discussion and where that discussion goes from there. But I'm excited to to be a part of it and, and help help it grow however it can. I think it's I think this whole you know, this whole project is sort of bigger than any one group and is sort of an all hands on deck effort and can take anybody's anybody's contribution, <laughs> no matter how they come at it. So I'm, I'm gung ho to help out really anybody and everybody who, who thinks we need something different. Yeah, that's great. No, it takes a lot of different strategies and a lot of different angles to get us there. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask about that too, because we've got, uh, between the two groups we've just visited about, uh, with you and then, uh, Adam Kinzinger's group country first his uh, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, PAC or super PAC, um, and stand up Republic revo- Republican voters against Trump. Uh, we still have, uh, Emily's Biden Republicans. And, and so there's <laughs> these, all these different groups. Uh, I, I wonder just what your thoughts are on, on how, uh, I mean, you were just talking about it, you know, we'll take <laughs> contributions from take everywhere. How, what, what, what are your thoughts on how those, uh, if they do eventually get woven together or kind of how they can be best harnessed to, uh, put kind of a, a, a single leading voice or, or, you know, uh, platform or whatever ahead, uh, so that people kind of know what we're all doing here, or, or do you feel like it's going to just have to kind of be fragmented for a while, um, and kind of figure it out? What was what, that like? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I've gone back and forth on this sort of an organizational right. political, political theory question yeah. really about how best to sort of enact change in, in politics. 
Um, I actually, I used to think that. I used to think what we really need to do is we really need everybody to just come together under one one banner and we mm-hmm. need to do one thing. Uh, you know, I, I think there is value in all of these different banners, uh, doing their own things, organizing and, you know, promoting different messages, but all in the same vein to show the breadth of the movement. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about any great movement, uh, all of the movements in political history, it wasn't just one thing. Uh, you know, it was, it was all, it was, it was a, a multivariate effort. Uh, but everyone was clear and worked together and towards the same goal. So the goals were clearly defined. I think that's, I think that is what we need is we need a cohesion of purpose and cohesion of goals so that, you know, there's no wasted energy. And that's why, that's why I think the summit, the idea of the summit is so, uh, that's why that's what I want. I I wanted principles first to do that Mm -hmm. because what I think we need is sort of a, a gathering, a, a place that we can all get together and show that we are a movement yeah. and show that there's energy for everything that we're doing. Um, and, and, and that's what CPAC was. That's what CPAC was always for the conservative movement. Yeah. You know, the Rand Paulers would get there with the Ted Cruisers and the Jeb Bushes. Like ev- all of those people would speak at CPAC. Mm-hmm. And CPAC was you know, CPAC would let them speak. And and it was a place where conservatives of all the different stripes could come together. And it was a powerful showing for how strong the conservative movement was. Right. Um, uh, Yes, you had crazies there. Yes, you had people who maybe weren't even conservatives. Maybe they were there. But that was a good way for the movement to reach new people, expand to new people, and, uh, you know, talk about ideas, talk about what it was that we were going to stand for. Um, so that's why I'm excited about the summit because I really see, you know, if you can put on the same stage, you know, uh, the bullworkers with the dispatchers and the Liz Cheney's with even, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and the Justin Amash's, if you can put all those people on the same stage, now you've really started to do something and, and not just put those people on the stage, but put all of the people that support their message in the crowd, cheering for them, showing that energy. Right. That is what we need to do. That's what, look, that's what, that's what Charlie Kirk and all these people do on the MAGA side. They do fog machines. They do all this crazy stuff. (laughs) And Kim Guilfoyle walks out there and, and, you know, yells at the top of her lungs, right? Like it's show business for them. Right. And, you know, we don't need to go into the hokey pokey show business but we need to start. We need to start building that type of. Here we are. Here's what we mean. And look at you know we. This is a movement. If you you know come be a part of it. Yeah. So that's why that's that's why I think I think something like the summit is is really important for where we are at right now. Um. And and so I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think optics are so important in politics. Um, optics and then just the PR side of it. I think just like getting people to see that, like you said, people are fired up, they're excited. There are a lot of other people that are thinking the mm-hmm. way they are, not just a minority. Right. Um, you know, and and so throughout the season of What's Next, we've been kind of tackling different strategies um, that we think, you know, like what is instead of just tearing down where we are, which has been, you know, frustrating, we're all there, but we want to offer up the, um, the constructive uh, ideas as well. Some guests have been more hopeful. Others like Tim Miller haven't been. Um, but, you know, what is your take on the possibility that we could reclaim a healthy GOP and how long w- do you think it's going to take? Like, realistically. 
five to ten years. Um, I hope five. Uh, you know, if it, if it can be done, it's not going to be done in 2022. Uh, it's not, you know, it probably will not even be done in 2024. It's going to be beyond that. Um, I think it's less helpful to try to answer that question ex ante and more helpful to just like say, let's go, let's go to work, right? Like, let's get to work. Let's, let's, you know, if it's five years, it's 10 years, it's whatever it is, but this is all we can fight for. So we need to be clear about what we are fighting for and what the what the principles are. I think we've got the principles between all of the – I mean, we've been talking about principles and it's pretty clear that people are pretty energized around this idea of being principled and not being driven by personality. So I think that's high level. That's what we've defined. I think now we need to get into sort of what is an agenda Right. What is a concrete proposal that distinguishes us? Are we just saying we're tired of his tweets? No, I don't think that's what we're saying. I think we're saying more than we're, I think we're saying more than we don't like his character. We don't like the character of the Republican Party. I think we're saying we don't like tariffs. Like right? we, we don't think that's a smart policy idea. We think that raises prices to consumers and it's not good for the U.S. economy. There's a whole agenda there that can be formulated because the Democrats, honestly, if you think about it, Biden has left in place all of the tariffs that Trump has Trump Trump raised. He hasn't taken down any of those tariffs. The Democratic Party really doesn't know if it should, you know, if the Democratic Party was a buy American, you know, pro tariff party, uh, you know, before the Republicans were, and then Trump just happened to also be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think rediscovering our free trade roots, um, what 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 do good trade deals look like? I think a lot of people out there are starting to have uh, maybe maybe TPP was actually a pretty good idea, and we should have kept TPP. Uh, in place or at least improved upon it rather than scrapping it completely. So there's trade policy. There's the future of work mm-hmm. um, defining constructively. You know, I, I don't think we're quite in the UBI camp um, and in the Yang camp, but I think Andrew Yang did a good job of bringing that issue to the forefront of, you know, the nature of work is changing is particularly the pandemic has, has hastened how we think about working from home, working in an office, commuting, I think that's a space where we can, you know, offer new ideas Uh, because, look, MAGA, the MAGA movement, what the Republican Party has been for the last four years, not going to offer new ideas. They're not offering. They're fighting. They're talking about critical race theory. They're fighting culture wars. They're just looking for the culture war issue du jour to throw onto Fox News and generate animosity and fear, really. Um, you know, so we have really a chance to start to define a new agenda that gets people excited that says, okay, hey, we, we got a lot of problems here in the 21st century. And if we don't address them, we're going to fall behind China. We're not going to be a leading global force anymore. Uh, and, and our window to address them is very narrow. And if we don't do it soon, uh, by, because we're talking about, um, you know, some fake voter fraud in Arizona that we're going to set up a whole audit to look for. I mean, that's just, we're just wasting time. It's not serious. It's not American to just cook up fake problems and hunt them down for, for no reason. Like let's get serious. Let's start addressing these issues. And I think there's some, there's some legs there for us to define what that agenda is. And I think there's, there's a couple of issues there where we could really say, say something new. Yeah. And I think the, it's funny because when we spoke with Bill Crystal in the very first episode of, of this show, um, I was, we were sort of joking about the idea of, uh, I asked a policy question and we kind of joked about, well, we want to have a policy discussion. Exactly. We, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. but to, you know, the politics of it and to kind of the, 
grassroots energy that you talked about earlier, it does seem like, I, I don't know, like it does seem like the energy for any either side and all sides does seem to be around kind of the culture wars, the social issues, uh, as opposed to kind of what traditional conservative versus liberal policy stuff looked like. And so I, I wonder what your thoughts are on how to kind of balance that out. Because I do think to get the energy around, and feel free to disagree either of you, but to get the energy around this movement, um, I agree it's more than the tweets, it's more than the character, but I also do think that the those social and cultural issues, at least right now, are what kind of brings the energy to people politically, as opposed to some of the needed policy conversations around healthcare or uh, taxes and, and trade and those things, which are very important. So I think it's a tricky combination to to put those together. Uh, but but I'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a good challenge, because I think you're right. And if you think about it, I, I, I think about this a lot because I think it's key to fixing the problems that we're facing. And if we're ever going to crack through, we got to be able to kind of either we got to make the policy exciting or we got to figure out a way to rebut mm -hmm. the culture war issue that they're yeah. talking about. And I think, unfortunately, like Fox News is always going to be talking about a culture war, yeah. right? Like they, there's going to be a not insignificant chunk of elected Republicans that always the only thing they want to talk about is whatever, like. Critical race theory, like the people that are talking about critical race theory, they don't even really know what critical, like if you ask them what critical race theory is, they they were not going to be able to define it. Right. Because like, honestly, like the, what they think critical race theory is, nobody, nobody wants that to be taught either. <laughs> no right. one is teaching what they think. They, they think critical race theory is literally like you do this, you are bad because you are white and, and your, your whiteness makes you evil. That is not what critical race theory is. And of course, if that is if, if what I just said is being taught in any public school or private school, for that matter, in the United States, like that should be national news. OK, right. that is not being that is not being taught in any that is not a problem right. in the United States <laughs> at the moment. Right. Uh, if it becomes that problem, then, yes, we should all <laughs> we should all join that fight. But that is not happening in the United States. Uh, what is happening is inflation. People, you know, like with that, that stuff that is actually happening and that should be the focus. Um, but to your point about how we do that, we can, we can make that argument. We can try to, we can try to make the rational argument that the other solution is to build alternative media apparatuses like this podcast, like other things, right? Like things that compete against, for instance, like the Ben Shapiro show or like the Michael Knowles stuff where that's all they talk about, quite frankly, because what, and why do they talk about it? It's because it's the easiest thing. They don't got to sit there and think about what the policy is. They don't got to be all that intelligent to think about what it is. They think about the policy, the nuances. They can just say, it's critical race theory. I'm opposed to critical race theory. Did you see this crazy thing that someone said? Like, yeah, that's crazy. They're the radical left. That's just easy. I mean, if your job is to sit and talk all day, you're going to sit and talk about things that don't really require a lot of mental lifting. Yeah. And that that's cultural issues. And, and so that's that's why I think we see what we see. To, to break that, we're going to have to either get people energized about the policy again or just build our own thing and start to sway people away from some of these, you know. Uh, you know I, I think, as I said, I think that the energy that people have behind these things, uh, particularly among the voters, they're not they're not misplaced. Like, my my family probably also back home watching Fox News 
are pissed off about critical race theory. And I would, if I, if, if, if the critical race theory was what they think it is, I would be pissed off too. So I don't blame these people who are energized about critical race theory. I think they've just been sort of, you know, ginned up on a, on a sort of a exaggerated version of what this is. And it's not particularly useful or productive for moving America forward. Because at the end of the day, what's Congress? Congress is not, not in charge of education. It does nothing. Mm-hmm. This helps no one for a member of Congress to go on Sean Hannity and talk about critical race theory, because even if they hated it, they couldn't really do anything about it. Like they federal, like state and local governments can do things about it. That's fine. But like, it's just people, it's so out of whack right now. It just doesn't make any sense. And specifically on that, it's just being, um, yeah, I feel like it's being used as a label to slap on any kind of conversation around race issues at all. Like you can't right. have a conversation about police reform. You can't have a conversation uh, about uh, anything to do with racial reconciliation, because as soon as you start down that road, it's immediately labeled CRT and out of bounds and Marxist and socialist and everything else. And so um, people on both sides that want to have a good faith discussion about, OK, how do we move forward when it comes to racial issues? Just can't do it. I mean, you, you, right. with that kind of label slapped on everything and then automatically making it out of bounds. Um, but it's good PR for the <laughs> folks that want to do that. And it's good strategy. It works. Um, but I right. think you're right that he, that if you're watching Fox news or some of the others every day and you're getting pounded over the head with that, I mean, you know, that's where you're going to go. And so yeah. it, it's frustrating. Yeah. I don't, I, I really do not. Cause my, I mean, I come from a family that watches Fox news and, and that's on in my household. And, and when I go home and talk to my, you know, my stepdad, my dad, my mom, like they're fired up about those things. And I don't, they don't come from a bad place, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not those they don't mean poorly right like they they really think that this is an issue because that's what that's what they hear every day yeah. and they're well intentioned and we got to have we we got to we got to recognize that they aren't the enemy the enemy we're not the enemy but just the problem is not them the problem is the 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 sources of information that are feeding them these things because it's easy because it turns a dollar for them or it gets a click like that's the issue Yes, um, was, I was going to add to that as well. I mean, I, I, working in social media, you can put out a very pragmatic, useful or constructive tweet. It's going to get two likes, you know, yeah. you put out democracy is dying. I mean, this goes on the other side, too. Other side, right. the, yeah, I mean, it, and if I could push back on that, too, I agree. Fox News does the tribalism. So does CNN and, and right. MSNBC, MSNBC on the other side. I mean, you get someone even saying this is Daniel and I were talking about this. And I don't know how Daniel feels. But for me, the lab leak theory. I mean, like, you couldn't even suggest that maybe that was a likely possibility without people from the left, because I, I have a lot more friends on the left. Um, on that side of it, you're a racist, you know, you're yeah. going to cause Asian Americans to be persecuted here in the States about it. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with science or truth or anything. You know, if we're going to think critically about things, um, again, like we cannot do the back and forth, you know, but again, Money's at the root of all evil. There's a lot of wisdom in that, you know, from Fox News, you know, you're getting people fired up. It's exciting to, you know, throw all those the culture wars there. And then on, on the left with more of the mainstream media, um, you know, it is really hard to get uh, people excited about ideas and thoughts and finding common ground and, you know, being a neighbor to your neighbor and finding, you know, the things that you have in, in common. Yeah. Um it's not as sexy. And so I think there do need to be more organizations. You know, I think we talked about Bill Crystal too, a little bit about this 
is there a market for sensible media for sensible TV for you know, and I honestly don't know. Um, Because it is less exciting. Twitter's the same way, you know, Um, which isn't an answer, really. But I just wanted to add to that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a challenge to democracy. It's a challenge to our our constitutional republic. Can we it's like the marketplace of ideas, right? Like that's been the foundation of why we thought this was a good way to do government from the beginning. We thought, let's get everybody out there, free speech, share your ideas. The best ideas will be will rise to the top. The most people will recognize those good ideas as good ideas. They'll vote for people who support those ideas. And we'll have government that implements those good ideas. Yeah. And I think these, you know, the mechanics of our ideas market, which is our news and, and, and cable news media and now social media, are throwing that into question. Mm-hmm. And that's why China, Russia, our enemies, they realize that's the weakness of our democracy. And so they, they throw money into all of these ads and they, they try to manipulate how uh, people view the world through those channels and it's and it seems to be working for them right now. <laughs> That's exactly uh, right? right. Yeah. And so maybe it's that we need a wake up call and and it's going to get bad before it gets better. Um do we people are talking about regulating more what goes on social media? I honestly don't know. I mean, that's not my inclination. That's not my first principle. Um I don't know. I I I my I like to believe that the answer is competition. Uh, and more ideas out there and people, good people coming forward and saying, no, we're going to do our own way. We're going to do our own thing here. And we're going to show that there is a market for this. And quite frankly, people just get pissed off and tired of <laughs> what is clearly just gets crazier and crazier conspiracy theories uh, and, you know, the hyperventilation over everything um, on the other side. Right. Yeah. You so, got it. Yeah. Uh as you look ahead to, uh, you said earlier, kind of uh, a five to ten year project, um, hopefully less, but uh, not being the you know the timing not being the key component, uh, other than just getting out there and doing. Uh, as you look ahead to, uh, especially the twenty twenty four cycle, because I think twenty two is kind of baked in with what's going to happen. It seems like in a lot of ways, but with with twenty twenty four and beyond, how how do you think about uh, you know? either reconciling with or coming together with those who have gone along with, and I'm thinking about elected leaders now, senators, potential presidential candidates um, for 2024 on the Republican side, who, uh, you know, either, you know, went along with trying to object to the election results uh, in January, uh, who have voted against establishing the commission on the January 6th, Uh, you know, assuming any of those folks come back, where are the lines that we should draw around? Okay, who, who would we support? If you know we get together this group and it's all these groups we talked about earlier, um, you know how, how do we try? I mean, we're going to need more than just us, right? We know we're a minority. Right. We know that. We we just we have to just kind of come to grips with we're going to need more than the three of us and whoever shows up. Christmas <laughs> first, like we're, we we're going to need more than that. That's the point. That's the goal. Like we want to start with what we have and, and grow it. Um, but that's going to include folks that have been going along with uh, what has been happening the last five years. I'm trying to figure out kind of where we. Uh, you know, what, what are our lines that are boundaries and, or, or how do we reconcile with folks? How can they reconcile with, with us if, if that's possible? I, I, how do you think about any of that? Or, or is that important? It's, it's super important. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a good question. Uh, and I think, look, every voter at least is going to have to make that decision on their own. Yeah. I can say, you know, for me, I look at it as there's two different things at play here. There's the leaders, the political leaders that were, 
in Congress, particularly uh, that were in that administration and were silent about things uh, and and looked the other way and actively made excuses for things as they were happening. Like that's a, that's that's sort of a permanent stain on your record, right? If you're going to yeah. come forward again and try to say that you should be in that position again, right? Like I, it's going to be hard for me to forget about those <laughs> for, forget about those kind of sins. Uh, right. Against the against principle, if you're coming forward and saying that you should lead the movement again, now for the voters that faced a tough call in 2016, or, or that you know, I didn't think it was a particularly tough call in in 2020. I voted for Evan in 2016, mm-hmm. um, it, but for those voters who just you know they had t- two bad choices and they and they pulled a lever that you disagree with, like. I don't, I, I don't know that I'm going to implicate everyone there and say, no, you can't come into the room with us <laughs> yeah. and talk yeah. about these things. Sure. Right. Like yeah. I empathize. Like it was a tough call. Like I'm not, I'm not, I voted for Joe Biden. I, I thought it was the right choice. I thought we had to kind of make sure that this, this cancer on the party stopped. I thought it was the best thing that we could do for conservatism, honestly, was to get Trump out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but look. People can reach other decisions on that, uh, and I, I I think we're we'd be well suited as a movement to look at those people as convincibles, yeah, um, and people that we can win over, and that we might you know learn something from. I don't know, maybe yeah. maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I'm not. I, I'm I'm willing to be wrong on a lot of things yeah. and, and to admit that I'm wrong, um, and to make common cause with people that I might not otherwise make cause with. Because at the end of the day, look, this is politics. We live in a democracy. Um, this is a majority rule. Well, you know, at least a plurality rule country. We've got to have at least a plurality yeah. uh, with the filibuster and all this stuff. But, y- you know, that's the way I look at it. So, so in terms of lines, what people did, what what is the unforgivable sin? You know, I have my own view, own view of that as a voter. People will reach their own conclusions. But what I think we need is we need those people who – have retained some amount of credibility throughout these times and people, new people. I, I think yeah. honestly, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to yeah. need in yeah. terms of a leader for the movement moving forward. Right. And the Republic, that's, that's why it's ironic. That's why uh, the leading front runner, even among Trump supporters is someone who didn't have to answer anything about Donald Trump because yeah. he was the governor of Florida. Correct. It's not a senator. It's not a congressman. It's someone who was in Florida who, if you think about it, and quite honestly, if you're asking me what I think about Ron DeSantis, he wasn't, he wasn't the, uh, the worst guy on my list, to be honest. He, you know, <laughs> yeah. he wasn't, yeah. I, I'm kind of like, you know, I got to look back and see, did he, did he support impeachment? Did he oppose impeachment? I don't know. He probably didn't say anything on impeachment, if right. I'm being quite honest. Yeah. I mean, yes, he stood on the stage. He was generally supportive of Trump. But if you read his speech, in Florida, he probably didn't say too many fawning things. I mean, he's not the he's not the most fawning guy over Donald Trump. If you had to right. pick out of a lineup, so I actually think it's interesting that DeSantis is is the guy that they're rallying around because he's not so you know. Anyways, yeah, he's not so bad. But so so I don't know that we're going to pick someone like DeSantis to say you know he's this this guy that represents us, right? Um, but I say that just to say I think new people, yeah. people that weren't in Washington. People that are saying new ideas that are very, they're very much post Trump, not out of a strategic sense, but just out of the function of that's how it is, right? Like they're not, they, they, they aren't, they didn't come up in Trump. The ideas that they're offering are independent of Trump. Uh, and whether you voted for Trump or not, you can, you, you know, 
you can tell us whether you like free trade or you like tariffs. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you like tariffs, you can vote for someone else. If you like free trade, you can vote for this person, right? And we need leaders to come forward and start defining that agenda so that people can start to follow them uh, in a new direction as opposed to sort of these old arguments that we've been having the last four years. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of baggage with um, even the people that, you know, we used to admire so much, Rubio, Haley, Nikki and Haley? all of Nikki. Yeah. I mean, look at Nikki Haley. I know. Right? Like, I loved Nikki Haley. I loved her when, when she was governor of South Carolina. And you see, I mean, it's just, she's, I, you know, I think she's a good person, honestly. I still, I think she's a very good person. I, I knew her when Rubio was running. I think Rubio is a good person. You know, I don't hold it against these people personally. I think they're just political animals and they responded to the political stimuli that were coming to them and they made decisions, calculated decisions along the way. And what happens as you make calculated decisions and you compromise here and you compromise there is that you wake up a couple of years later and you really aren't, you don't define yourself anymore and you aren't defined. You're, you're defined by those external stimuli as opposed to your own message. Um, and so that's what's happened to those. It's a lot of those people, they find themselves in this mushy middle that is getting really no one excited, um, which is, which is unfortunate because I think a lot of those people could have been. Could have been solid leaders. They could have been great. Yeah. It's just this, this moment gets yeah. really chewed up and spit out a lot of folks, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I have one more follow up question on that before we get to the last question. Um, you know, I, I do think that we do need to, uh, myself included, I've had to work on forgiveness. I mean, and also yeah. coming to a place of humility for people that even just were total Trump supporters. I mean, that is really hard for me. Um, but you know, I think that in order to restore the movement, we're going to have to have some humility and forgiveness and to make mm -hmm. it more big tent. Um, but I am curious, you know, could you, some candidates that I, I think Haley's going to run for in 2024 personally, Yeah. do you think that you could forgive her, her as a candidate then, you know, from the people at the top as well? I would definitely not support her in the primary. You know, if we got to a general election and she was the, the Republican choice, that's I mean, that's a tougher one for me. Like, I, you know, I, I would probably just sitting here, I would depend on what she said and depend on, you know, how much she's embracing whatever is the Trumpism of the day. Um, but and, and, and honestly, who the Democratic candidate is, I've mm -hmm. gotten to where I'm I, I've gotten to where I, I used to be like. I swear, four or five years ago, I was like the most we're the same. Yeah, I was like the most Republican Party man you could even imagine. Like, I was, I was like, I wasn't. I, I, I believed in what the Tea Party was saying, but I wasn't so Tea Party that I was like burn everyone down. Like, I hate John Cornyn because he's just the establishment. Like, there's a picture of me with Mitch McConnell. Like, I was Republican, Republican. Like, yeah, you're the poster I boy. Was, yeah, I was yeah. gonna support the Republican because that's just I was a Republican. So I, I used to be. I used to be like, I used to like, was so gung-ho Republican. Uh, and now these days I'm sort of like, I can't trust these party. The party means nothing now. Like right. these party labels are just so, they don't stand for anything. It's just so whoever is sort of slaps it on themselves on any given day. So, yeah. you know, I voted for Joe Biden. It would depend on who they picked. Right. Um, We'll see, right? Yeah. I think I think I I think I'm I'm open to I'm open to I'm open to voting for just about anybody depending on what the choices are. Yeah. Um, but there's you know there's some things that you know particularly after Donald Trump that I just there's 
I'm, I, I will break party. I will break everything to stop some of, some of what I'm, I'm seeing. And if I think that a person is party to that, then I will, I will do everything I can to, <laughs> to keep them out of there for sure. The last thing I want to leave on, you've, you've uh, mentioned it, but I want to give us a chance to really, you know, talk a little bit more about it is the summit, uh, which, uh, uh, so any details you can share, uh, I assume you weren't actually previewing the, this, the specific, uh, guest list earlier when you talked about Schwarzenegger and some of those folks, uh, officially, uh, but, uh, I'd love to hear uh, about it and, and kind of anything you can share and, and how people can plug in and learn more about it. Uh, all of those things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't, that wasn't the guest list. I was going to break news that on here. That'd be great. But. Yeah. No, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so the summit is going to be October 2nd and 3rd in Washington, DC. Um, it's tentatively at the national press club again. Um, you know, tickets are, they're on Eventbrite. You can get them now. The tickets are $35 for the whole weekend. I mean, no one's, we're not trying, we're not charging $500 a piece. Like, CPAC where we're, we're just breaking even here so that we can get together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it will be, it's going to be two days this time, not one. Uh, like the like the summit on principled conservatism was just one day. This one will be over two days, and so that's really exciting because we're gonna we're gonna have kind of unstructured time outside of the two days of sort of panels and speeches for people to kind of do happy hours and meet and connect. Because I think that was a big uh, a big piece of the, the the summit last year was just people who know each other on Twitter and never met before, or know people around the country just to meet and find common cause and make new friends. Was a great thing for for our movement, um, so so that's a piece that we're excited about. I think this one this year will be, as I said, it will be a little bit more energetic and feel more a little bit more like a campaign rally. There's going to be the panels uh, that'll talk, yes, about principles, but also about translating principles to policy and what a new agenda could look like for a principled movement. Um, so I'm excited to hear those ideas, and I think the speakers will be a mix of sort of pundits. Um, uh, and think tank policy people uh, that that have really thought about these things in a granular way to to sort of discuss what they sh- what that should be, uh, and then political leaders. Uh, we'll have political leaders there that that could potentially be those dark horses, Daniel, that you mm-hmm. talked about, or or the political leaders for this movement um, t- to give speeches. So there'll be a mix of panels yeah. and speeches. Um, it'll be a little bit less academic than last time and a little bit more, um, you know, campaign rally interactive with the crowd. Um, we've got, we're obviously planning it a little bit more in advance. Last time I sort of threw it together in three (laughs) weeks uh, on a whim. Uh, so we're not, we're not doing it that way this time, but so, so hopefully that'll, that'll help us, but it was really great. I don't know if, uh, if, if either of you were there last time, I don't think so, but uh, Reed Reed was, but it, it was really a great, a great day, a great time. I mean, that we had like 300 people there. Um, so really exceeded sort of anybody's wildest dreams. And it was a great, it was just great to get in a room with people and talk about things again <laughs> that weren't, you know, the latest tweets or the latest crazy thing that's happened and actually talk about what we think should, should happen. So, um, yeah. I'm hopeful that it'll be that again. I mean, I'm really excited for it. Um, I think we'll have, I think there'll be a lot of great people there and, and we'll, you know, we, we're not announcing any speakers just yet. We'll sort sure. of announce it. We'll, we'll announce speakers in waves um, over the course of, the, you know, two or three months, probably, honestly. Okay. Um, the, just the way the speaker thing works, it, it, 
you end up maybe not finding out exactly who's going to be there until the last, you know, two or three weeks before. Um, but we we do have, we do have uh, a good handful of great speakers already confirmed, awesome. which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in fact, I think just about everyone we've asked so far has, has said yes. So that's great. So that's, that's good. That's yes. great. People are, <laughs> people are, people are wanting to stand with us. So that's good. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, we, I'm looking forward to, to asking more folks. And the idea, like I said, is like, Let's get everyone together and let's talk about a new way forward. The people that want to talk about a new way forward, let's get those. Everyone who wants to be there, let's get them in the room and let's just have a conversation about it because we got a lot. I mean, if the Republican Party is going to ever fix itself or if something new is going to be built, like we got a lot of things to talk about, right? We got a, we got a lot of things to hash out as a family. <laughs> I was going to say it's family, family uh, meeting. Yeah, time. family it's meeting. A fa- it's, it's a family meeting time. And so that's why, you know, like that's what I said last time. Like, if you voted for Trump, like we're not going to, you know, we're not going to welcome Lindsey Graham to be a speaker. I'll just tell you that up front. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be doing that. And that's the leader. That's the leader voter distinction I made earlier. Um, yeah. You know, but if you supported Trump, if you're my stepdad who literally has the red hat and the sticker on his <laughs> truck, like he's probably going to come. He'll show up. I mean, he'll he'll get loud and rowdy, and he'll he'll make his disagreement known. But that's good. You know, yeah. Like yeah, that's, yeah. That's what needs to happen. Yeah. Like we need, we need everyone in the same room, and we need people to talk about why they disagreed, and we need to talk about where we di- where we do agree now, moving forward, uh, and and that I think will be a hopeful way to move forward. So I'm I'm excited about it. But if people want to sign up for it, it's there's an event right out there that's on Twitter. It's on our Principles First Twitter page. Um, it's also on our website if you go there at principlesfirst.us. But we want everybody to come who who is able. So. Great. Yeah, we'll definitely include that in our show notes and, you know, put it out on social when we share your episode. And um, we're just excited for it. And thank you so much for taking the time. There. Yeah, we'll be there. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah, no. We'll, we'll. Yeah, you should do a podcast or something there. That would be cool. We with, talked about that, actually. So, oh, yeah. Reed already promised us ago. the green room in the backstage. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. Look, it was, it was Reed's idea, though. So no, no. That's great. There will be a ton of people to, to, to chat with. So we'll I be the press room. Idea. Yeah. No, yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Heath, for joining us. It's been a great conversation. This was great. Thanks. All right. Our thanks again to Heath Mayo for joining us on today's show. It was such a great conversation, so much optimism and fun ideas that are going to be exciting as we move forward here. So I hope you got uh, that positive vibe uh, from him and from our conversation. I want to encourage you to go and follow Heath on Twitter at Heath Mayo. That's H-E-A-T-H-M-A-Y-O. And from there, you can follow him on some of his other platforms. We'll also put links uh, to both him as well as Principles First and the Summit and all of those things uh, in the show notes. So you can go and find those there, including uh, a link to uh, last year's uh, Principles First Summit. So you can go and look and see what it was like last year. uh, And uh, it's going to be even better, it sounds like, uh, this year. So super excited about that. And we'll have the link to where you can sign up for the summit in October uh, in the show notes as well. A reminder, if this is your first time listening to the show, we are so appreciative of you being here and would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as go back and listen to some of the episodes that we've already had this season between a conversation with Bill Crystal and Elizabeth Newman and Matt Lewis, just so many great guests and uh, would love for you to go back and do that. A reminder also that you can follow us on Twitter and it's at what's underscore next underscore pod. You can also email us what's next political pod at gmail 
com. And if you get a chance, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, would you go into iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating? Uh, a review would be great as well. Uh, either one or wherever you do listen to your podcasts, if not Apple Podcasts, would love for you to leave that rating and review. All right, that's it for this week's episode of What's Next. On behalf of Emily Matthews, I'm Daniel Hare. Thanks again so much for being with us. And we'll talk with you next time on What's Next. What's next?